Tuesday, um, February the 29th, 2012, has marked Harrisburg. Wednesday, I'm sorry. The 29th. Because it was leap year, yes, that made it kind of unusual. But I really believe, much like the flood of the 30s marked Harrisburg, so this will. For some of you sitting in this room, for all of us in this room, but for some of you in a very special way, your lives will never be the same. I watched as one of our dear sisters limped in from an injury of that tornado. I've seen bruised bodies today. I spent Thursday and Friday with two people with broken backs. And their lives are forever changed and forever different because of that. Well, as I thought about what to share this morning, I needed to go back to, to, when, to Thursday morning. It was the first of March, and I had the privilege of doing the Baptist Hour. And frankly, sometimes it's a privilege and sometimes it's a hassle. Let's just be honest. But that day was a privilege. I feel like God had handed me this incredible gift. And I don't know how many people listened. I don't know how many people were still without power. But I just knew God had given me an opportunity. And I shared that day how that... In John chapter 6, Jesus had just... I mean, he told some really hard stuff. And a whole bunch of people said, Time out. I'm out of here. And they stopped following Jesus. And Jesus looked at the guys and said, You know, so are you going to leave too? And we don't know if there's an awkward pause there because I'm sure as the guys were listening to what he was teaching, they're going, Jesus, this is not going to be popular. This, if you're going to build a ministry, this is not how you do it. If you're going to get elected king, this is not how you do it. And maybe there's that pause there. And finally Peter spoke up and said, you know, Jesus, where will we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And we believe you're the Holy One from God. And I shared just briefly, this all took about 20 minutes, but I shared briefly and said, you know, this is kind of like what happened yesterday, speaking of, of Wednesday. You know, that tornado can be a 32 degrees. It can be a point where people turn to God or a point where people write God off and say, I don't want any more of that. That's God. I don't want any more of that. But can I ask you a question? Where else would we go? Where else could we go but to God? And then I shared quickly from the 23rd Psalm how the Lord's our shepherd and he leads us to green pastures and beside quiet waters. He restores and refreshes our soul. And then, then I, I paused and said, you know, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and today I'm looking at some faces, you walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And if Jesus Christ is your shepherd, you can fear no evil. For you, talk about Jesus. Jesus, you're with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. And I close that morning with, with Mark chapter 4, which is where we're going today, by the way. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. We were supposed to do the follow-up on last week's message, and there's a couple things I knew. I knew that we were not supposed to talk about fences and guardrails today. I just wasn't sure. I spent considerable time looking at John chapter 11 with Martha and Mary and Lazarus in that resurrection. But it seemed like God kept pulling me back to Mark chapter 4. So if you're going to take your Bibles, please, 
I want to share some truth with you about God. I want to share some truths with you about life. And really about storms and about tornadoes. And about other storms that come into our lives. Jesus had spent that day talking, teaching in a boat. He was, he was people on the seashore and there were like lots of them. And Jesus is in this boat. And it was an ordinary day. And that's why Tuesday popped in my brain because when I said Tuesday 29th, there's a reason why. It's because you know, Tuesday I remember waking up, you know, and it's just like a normal day. Just an ordinary day. And uh, that night was visitation, and again, being very candid with you, I'm going, oh man, you know, it's been a long day already, go back out tonight, visitation, but we went, and Donnie and I went and visited, and um, we visited a lady who lives right down the road here, her trailer was like two up from the devastation there at the corner of uh, Fiesel and Barnett, and uh, she's okay. But as I sat and visited in the living room and just had a great visit with him, you know, we had no idea in 11 hours that the whole world would change for us. And then we saw a guy who lived right down here on Marnett. And he was even closer to the storm. He's okay. But as we visited, actually he encouraged us, go figure, the preacher and the deacon, and we walk out going, man, that was cool, that was a real blessing. Who would have known that he would be laid on the couch the next morning and awake and going, you know what, I'm going to stay right here. But if it's my time, it's my time. I'm waiting. And God spared his life. But who would have known that? You see, just like in our story, the Bible says on the same day, it was an ordinary day of teaching. It wasn't like there was, you know, blinding eyes open. It wasn't like someone was raised from the dead. It was just an ordinary day. Just like Tuesday, the 28th was. And on that particular day, Jesus says these words in verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now that seems a real simplistic statement. As you see in the next verse, they're already in the boat. It's real simplistic. Jesus simply says, okay guys, we're done here. And we're going to the other side of the sea, the lake. Now, there's, there's two hugely important things there that you've got to get, and I am certain they did not get it. Because later on, they like, when their world starts falling apart, they like, go nuts. See, we sometimes perceive that when God enters the situation, that we're not going to have any troubles in our lives. In fact, Jesus later says, He says, you know, you need to know something. In this world, you're going to have tribulations. You're going to have troubles. But then he says this. But I want you to be a good cheer because I'm greater than the world. I'm bigger than the troubles that you're going to face in the world. But there's a couple of things there that, that they didn't get. They didn't get the part where he said, we're going to the other side. Now, I mean, again... These are principles we're going to draw from this scripture. And I think they're very biblical. And I think they're very helpful. When Jesus said they were going to the other side, you know what that meant? They were going to the other side. That meant that nothing, that evening, nothing between there and the other shoreline could stop them from going to the other side. They, because Jesus said so, had the assurance 
of an arrival on the other shore. They totally missed that. We know that's true because of, of what happens in this story. And we miss that. Let me give you a hint. The time to claim incredible promises from God is before the tornado. The time to, to understand the principles of God's word and who he is is the time before the storm. They totally missed that. But, but they had the assurance, one, that nothing could stop them from arriving on the other shore. And two is this. Not that they wouldn't have trouble, but that Jesus was going to be with them wherever they went. Do you see it there? It's in a pronoun. Let us. He didn't use that good southern term and say, y'all are going to the other side. He didn't use the plural singular and say, you are going to the other side. He said, I'm going to be in the boat with you. And come on now. And we're going to make this journey together. And we together are going to the other side. I'm glad as a pastor, I can tell you and hopefully some folks listening on the radio, that we may not, be, we may not have the promise of no storms in our life. But one, by faith in Jesus Christ, we can have the promise that we're going to the other side. And that nothing hell throws our way can stop that. Nothing that hell throws at us can stop that. We're going to the other side. And we have the promise that he walks with us. As the boat rides were running through their hallway and their house was literally flying up. There was someone in the hallway with them. And it was a force greater than that four tornado. And as and as Kim and David were literally being pulled apart from each other, there was a force that was greater than the tornado with them. And it was God. I remember that song about 2001. Where was God? And he said, I was in this stairway. And I, and I was here and I was here. And I want you to know that no matter where you were on February the 29th at 4.56 in the morning, as a follower of Jesus Christ, God was with you. And if you've not yet made that commitment to trust Jesus, God saw you through that storm for a reason. And that reason is to give you one more opportunity to trust His Son, Jesus Christ. So it was an ordinary day. And on that ordinary day, Jesus made an incredible promise. He said, come on, guys, we're going to the other side. He never mentioned the storm. He said, we're going to the other side, and I'm going with you. Now, verse, verse 36 is simply a transition. It says, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. In other words, he was already in the boat. They simply pulled up the anchor, and off they went. Okay? And other little boats were also with him. They tacked along. If you're a note-taker, I want to dissect verse 37 again, drawing from principles of Scripture that are just simply incredible. The Bible says this, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat unto the boat, so that it was already filling. There's great symbolism in this verse. 
First of all, notice what the Bible says, and a great windstorm arose. Now, now let's hold this is not this is not supplemental. This is not um, me presupposing on God's word. Ephesians chapter two and verse two says this. Paul is talking about um, what we were before we were saved, and then he says something about the enemy, the adversary, whom he calls in Scripture the prince and the power of the air. I believe I can safely say in Scripture that we can symbolically say that the author of this storm is no other than Satan himself. And that, if you know anything about this passage of Scripture, the first person that Jesus is going to meet when he gets to the other side is a demon-possessed man. He's going to a, an area that is full of bell worship, and the first person he meets is the guy who lives in the tombs, demon-possessed, who cuts himself and screams, lives in the tombs. Now, let me just give you a nugget that God gave you this morning. Just take it for what it is. See, I keep telling you a little long that so much of what we have going on in our lives is a product of the world we live in, this imperfect world. I was sharing with a man in Louisville. Um, we were in the basement because that's where the wedding was, but there was bad weather everywhere. And his name was Jim. And he was talking about, you know, his, his family was a little severe thunderstorm at that moment. He was watching the radar. And he said, you know, the truth is that weather, you know, these highs and lows, and, and, and referring to even tornadoes that happened then, that's how God just does weather, you know? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. But then I saw something this morning. Again, you understand that when God created the world, it was created perfect. You got that? I mean, there was no sickness. There was no sorrow. There was no death. Are you ready? And I got a sinking suspicion there were no tornadoes. And about now, someone's going, excuse me, Pastor, and what verse do you have for that? Genesis chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. Because the Bible says there that God caused a mist to come up from the ground and water the garden. God had, in these words, God had not yet caused it to rain. And there was no man until the garden. He missed I think that implies that in God's perfect world, there were not cold fronts and warm fronts that create conflicting winds that cause things like tornadoes. In fact, the first mention of rain that I could find is in the judgment of the world with Noah. I don't know if everyone assumed that, but that's the most obvious one. So the one you said that Satan caused that tornado? No, I wouldn't go that far. But I was saying that the imperfect world that we live in was caused by sin, and perhaps the product of that is things like natural disasters that we often write off. So write that down. Windstorm, the prison power here. And then, notice the Bible says, and the waves begin to devote. Now, now in Scripture, and very often in, in poetic gospel music, you understand that the sea is referred to as life. And then the boat would obviously represent, represent our lives. 
So we have ourselves sailing on the sea of life in our, in our lives, our little boats. And the prince of the power of the air stirs up circumstances that wrecks our lives. Can you follow me with this? And the waves which we are fighting for the stirred up sea wreck havoc with our lives. Much so that the boat, in their case, was starting to sink. Have you ever had circumstances in your life that you thought you were going under? How about 4.56 a.m. Wednesday, February 25? Something ripped through our town of an unbelievable force, and lives were turned upside down, and I'm certain there are people, perhaps, who will say, I just didn't know if I was going to live or not. All this provides them an imperfect world. In that circumstance, in that environment, in that world, the Bible says this. But he, capital H, Jesus, was in the stern, the back of the boat, and he was sound.
airmanship would mean that they knocked him out of bed. He's bruised because of it. Have you wondered if maybe God was asleep that day? Come on. Did, did you kind of just wonder maybe that God was doing something else or maybe the shower get ready for this day? I told God today, I promise not to apologize for him, and I'm not going to. But there's a scripture in Isaiah that really you need to hear, 55, 89. I'm going to give you 20 get a translation. The basis is this God says, My ways are higher than your ways, says the Lord. In fact, my very thoughts are bigger than your thoughts. Now, I'm going to be very candid with you. I stood in Joe's in his yard talking to Denise and said out loud, this is one time I kind of want to say, okay, God, why don't you have a plan? Have you ever been there before? Has there ever been a time when you said, okay, God, I believe you and I trust you, but what's going on? Because this makes no sense to me. And if you pastor, I'll tell you, I've been there, was there, and probably will be. Let me tell you something emphatically. Let me tell you something that I believe with every ounce of my being, both as a pastor, both as a Christ follower, and both as just a human being. My God, the creator God of the universe, was not asleep at the well. He was not. I may not be able to explain to you as a pastor exactly what he had in mind. I'm not going to say, well, this was his plan. This is what worked out. But my God's not sleeping at the will. We're going to see that illustrated in the story. But God is God. Listen, listen to Psalm 121. Here's what it says. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. Now, even as I read that, did you see what I did? What I've done all my life. I read it as a statement. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. And the implication is, is that as I lift my eye up, which we want to think of God, as I lift my eye up to the hills, the hills are going to provide that help. It was that more than my politician. If you'll notice it said, I will lift my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help, question mark. You see, the psalmist was not trying to say that the hills were good. The hills didn't represent godly strength. The hills represented danger. As the, as the trails went up into the rocky crags and, and, and cutouts, there was ample opportunity for robbers and thieves to injure you and hurt you. We see this in the, in the Good Samaritan story in the New Testament. So the psalmist is saying, as I look at this place of great danger, as I look at this place of destruction, as I look at this place of carnage, as I look at this place where there seems to be so much danger, as I look at this place called Harrisburg, 4.56 a.m. Where 
My help. Come on, children. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. He He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. No. In fact, he says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your guardian. The Lord is your protector. The Lord is your strength. The Lord who wraps you in his arms and takes the being of life. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Your net for Nahum. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. I can explain, but I can tell you this. He wasn't sleeping, but he was keeping. I told him in the past hour, we know the loss. Six very precious people were taken to eternity that morning. Over a hundred wounded. Millions and millions of dollars of damage. But only in eternity will we see the lives that were saved. Only in eternity will we truly be able to see the handiwork of God and what He did here at 4.56 a.m. Until then, we have to trust Him. If you're listening on the radio today, or if you're in this room, and you look at the destruction and the carnage and loss of life and injury, and you see that your boat is being filled, and you see the, the master sleeping in the back of the boat, and it seems to say, don't you care, God, that we're perishing? May I point you to something? If you would be here today and you say, this doesn't seem like a very loving God to me. May I point you to an old woman cross? May I point you to a cross where the dearest and best that God had to offer was slaughtered for the sins of mankind? Isaiah said, as a lamb being led to the slaughter, so of our Christ. May I point you to this megaphone of hope that says forever to this world, God loves you. The afford didn't say that. The circumstances didn't say that. The waves crashing the boat didn't say that. But this shout from heaven, God screams to us today in your life, in your circumstances, in your destruction, in your pain, in your loss. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I just want to tell you something. 
This, the Christ of this cross, is greater than his the message of the cross it is greater than any message that the prince of the power of the air can stir up. That's why the Gita of Rosa was so appropriate today. The way of suffering. See, God knows that suffering. God knows that loss. Because Well, the Bible says that when they went back to the back of the boat, and by the way, this is the only instance, it's not like he did all the time, this is the only instance where before the scripture Jesus ever slept. I'm sure he did more because he's human. But this is the one time you see him sleep. Now, please get a hold of this. The Bible says he got up and rebuked the wind. The word rebuke there in the Greek means to order, to command. You already heard in Ephesians 2 2 that the prison power of the air is Satan. And in this instance, drawn from a principle, and in this instance, that the Savior gets up, doesn't even rub the sleep out of his eye, and speaks to the wind and reduce the wind. Don't miss this. Don't ever you forget that our God is creator. And Satan is the created being. Don't you ever think for a moment that there's even a context in this world who is greater. Don't you ever think any time that a rest of circumstances shout at you that there's even a ball game going on. I'm telling you, game over. Jesus Christ is guilty and we're war. Game over. And nothing he can throw can change that. Nothing he can throw can change that. So he reduced the wind and then speaks to the sea which represents our life and our circumstances. Peace. Be still. Our God, our Savior is so powerful that he orders Satan to stand down. And it even calms our circumstances. Calms us in our circumstances. Oh, time. I know there will be testimonies today. God was with me. God was with me. I was crying, but I knew God was with me. Because our God is greater than the storms that we face. The word peace, by the way, interestingly enough, and the grateful translation is to be Muslim. You put a Muslim on a dog, all the ferocity they have is taken away. He can bark, he can growl, but he can't hurt you. And because of the power of our God, circumstances can't touch you. Wait, 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 What about the injury? We're going to the other side. What about going, what if I lost my life in this tornado? As a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to the other side. He defeated death, folks. He defeated death. Death has no grip on us. And it may be hard, and it may be difficult, and it is. But he's greater than that. 
So he sets pieces of peace be still. And the Bible says, and the wind ceased. Now you think about that prince probably here. Satan had to stand down. He had a choice. It was over. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. A great Waves coming into the school boat, the 20 foot skiff, about to sink, all of a sudden came over. One minute there's 20 foot waves. By the way, these guys were fishermen, it's not like they were like, you go not in the boat. They were fishermen, they had their lives on the sea. They were frightened. All of a sudden it's gone. All of a sudden the winds are gone. So the guys are standing there. Jesus is standing there. And one of us can said, and in verse number 40, the Bible says, He, capital H, says, Why are you so fearful? I'll tell you why. I wasn't there, but I'll tell you why. They were afraid because they couldn't quite grasp up to this point who Jesus was. I mean, they had seen blind eyes open. They'd seen some healing stuff going on, but they hadn't seen anything like this before. And they were afraid because they were encountering something that they had never encountered before, and they just didn't know their God was big enough. That's why they were afraid. And I don't know, but those of you who are closest to that storm, I bet you'd be hard pressed to come up with anything like that you've ever encountered, or, or we pray we'll never encounter again. But the testimony that you now have of the faithfulness of God should be big enough to carry you through the rest of your life. If you, if you are close to that storm, real, some of y'all are real close to the storm, guard that testimony in your heart for the rest of your life. Because it forever says this, if I am strong enough to protect you through an F4 tornado, then everything else is losing. Whether it be cancer, heart attacks, whatever it might be, if I'm greater than an F4, I'm greater than whatever you want to face in this life. In a way, you've been given a very special gift. But experiencing the power of God in a huge, huge way. Be sure to share. If you're a believer in Christ, share how you felt the presence of God. And ask God to use that testimony for the rest of your life. Why are you so fearful? And then he says... How is it that you have no faith? And that's really not really the translation from New King James. It's like this. Do you still have no faith? It's like, like Jesus saying, after this demonstration, after the wave of pouring in the boat, I got them dead. Say you're done. Wave, you're done. Call peace. Any questions? Any questions? See, that's the power of God. Even in the That 32 degrees, we can point to what we think God didn't do, or we can point to what God did. And His incredible power, even in the storm. In closing, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says they were incredibly afraid. Now, now this is not the this is not a home like the wind, that kind of fear. This is this 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 is the kind of fear you got. You ever dropped your jaw before? This is this is jaw dropping worship awestruck. Wow. 
I mean, they just couldn't believe what they had just seen. And they were talking about the wind and the waves and the boat and do you know and do you care? They were talking about a God who could get a peace in the midst of a storm. And they feared to see and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind, the prince and power of the air, Satan, and the sea and the circumstances obey him? May I introduce you to the creator of this world. And all things were created by him, and without him, nothing consists. Jesus, creator, and he holds it all together. That's who he is. That's who brought you through the storm. And that's who will carry you through the rest of your life. And that's who one day, when we will face death for the final time, as we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's who will cancel the power of death on us. I am the resurrection of life, Jesus said. He that believes in me, even though he died, yet shall he live. I can't explain to you what's going on. This My God is not asleep. Your God is not asleep. In fact, can I just tell you? He did it. John 11, 35. Jesus wept. He's at the graveside. Martha or Mary saying, God, Jesus, if you've been here, my brother would have died. And the Bible says he groaned in the spirit and cried. Not for righteous. The dude's just going to hop out of the grave. He wept because of the broken heartedness he sees. And I'm not full of it out of space. Our God leaves for us today. We have a God who cares. We have a God of compassion. And when he goes down in Harrisburg today, or Henryville, Indiana, or South of Louisville, or Alabama, or Ohio, where those storms have touched, his heart is created. That wasn't a world he created. But it's a world that happened because of sin. And basically, short of starting all over, he did what he could. He gave us a way that we could come in relationship with him, with the promise of eternal life of heaven, but also a Savior who will never leave us nor forsake. Psalm 37, 23, 24 is probably my favorite song. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And God delights in his way. And even if he fall, that person shall not be utterly cast down. Because God holds them with his strong This morning as we close our service, if you're here today, 
remember that 32-degree point and you kind of wanted to lean toward the side of freezing? That, that if this is God, I'm not sure I want to leave anymore. Can I just encourage you to look over here and remember the full wrath of God being poured out on an innocent God-man named Jesus who died for our sins and became our sin that we might become the righteous of God. When Satan whispers in your ear and says, Come to shut down and go to the cross. That forever shouts from heaven. I will. There's about three things we want to accomplish this morning to close our service. I'm going to ask my brother Brent to come and stand just a moment right down front. And we have what we call decision time. And there's nothing magic about coming out in public. But the truth is, Brent's got some answers that you might need, or he's got some friends of his who do. I'm going to invite you. If you've never, perhaps you're here in St. Louis said, I don't know what I need to do, but I think I need to be in church on Sunday. And maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Perhaps you've never understood that, that God made a way that you could come into a relationship and know him personally as Father and friend. Now, I want to invite you to come take Brent by hand and say, okay, I want, I want answers. I, want, I, don't, I don't have enough information yet, but I want someone to talk to me about how I can know Jesus Christ as Savior. And we've got some friends coming with it. We'll take not, not something from Baptist Press, but the Word of God. And we'll take a look and show you what the Bible says about you, sin, God, and how you can have a relationship with Him. Secondly is this. If, if you're here today, and you just need, on uh, today, you needed some assurance that God still loves you. I'm asking you to take a giant leap of faith and just claim that today. I want you to burn in your memory that image right there. But if you want to, add the beaten body of Jesus in the blood. And let that say to you forever that God loves me. You're already a Christ father. But you need some assurance that God's not angry with you, that God didn't abandon you. That forever says he loves you. The third thing is this. Maybe you just want someone to pray with you. Maybe you've got enough bad memories from, from Wednesday morning to last you a lifetime. Someone said these words to me this morning. I just need a hug. But we're giving out hugs this morning at the altar. Amen. If you want to come forward and just let some folk gather around you, perhaps you went through the storm and you're still just shaking, I promise you, if you'll come, there'll be people flood around you and just lift you up in prayer today. Would you bow your heads right there? God, I pray we've made you really big today. I pray we've exalted you in a way that needed to be done. For my friends here today who may have never trusted Christ, who, who never had that relationship with you, and this has kind of opened their eyes to that, that they're not ready for this thing called death, would you help them to come forward today and take Brent by the hand? And we may take the Word of God and, and share what you speak about eternal life, about relationship, about forgiveness.
Father, for my friends here today who needed to hear that you still love them. I pray I've made it clear, God, how much you do. I can't thank you enough for bringing them safely through the storm. I thank you, God, for that. I thank you, Father, for your faithfulness there. Our heart does grieve for the ones we lost. But, God, we're thankful, too, for the ones you saved. And, Father, if if there are so such harsh, unpleasant memories, would you please, God, dispel them? Just as you spoke peace, be still, and the waves were calm, Father, just erase the hard drives of the, of the bad memories and bring your peace in the hearts and lives. You're awesome, God. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.